Jesse Rich. That's right, Jesse Rich, joining me today on the DFL Before DNF podcast. Season one is all about late race survival. I'm the worst 100 miler you'll ever meet. And so I'm on the hunt for insight and wisdom from runners like Jesse. He's a nutritionist, a coach. He won the 2018 Wasatch 100, Snow Peak 50 miler. He's podiumed at the Bear, Dead Horse. A lot of success as a runner. But he's a nutritionist with insight on late race survival from the perspective of the food and beverage that we put in our bodies as we run and train. And he's more than that. He's a family man, a father, a husband, spinning a lot of plates. Welcome, Jesse. Well, welcome to the DFL Before DNF podcast. Um, my name's Josh. This is my friend, Jesse Rich. Uh, this whole season one of the podcast is called Late Race Survival. And of the 100 milers that I've attempted, and you know this because you were my coach for a little bit, uh, I've attempted eight, and I've finished one. Uh, and I guess for the record, out of the gates, you weren't my coach on any of those. So that's not, none of those are your, your doing. Um, and when I look back on those races, I think arguably, you know, Gout and rhabdo, those things have an impact, and I, you know, those those make sense to stop. But a lot of those, I, I look back on and I and I debate: could I have kept going? Could I not have kept going? Well, I'm, I'm an introvert, and I'm and I'm chatty when I'm out running a race because I just like to get to know people, and I'm curious. But I don't ever really, I haven't really dug in on how do the great finishers push through the great hundred mile finishers? How do you push through those late race urges to stop? Because my assumption is, is that even the greats want to stop, but they keep going. And for me, obviously, by my 12% finish rate at 100 milers, my bent has been to stop. And I question myself now on a lot of them, but I, I'm just spending this time as I lead up to the Zion 100 miler in April. I'm just wanting to talk to people like you and say, how do, how do you do it? And so before we dig into that, like that's, that to me is like the pinnacle of this discussion, before we get there, I want to get to know you. I want, I want my audience to know why I'm picking your brain on this and, and get to know you as a person a little bit, get to know you as a runner, and then get to that, that piece on you know, late race survival. So, Jesse Rich, tell us a little bit about yourself, the person, before we get into the runner. Tell me, you got, you got wife, kids, what, what, what's life like for you? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, born and raised here in Salt Lake City, been here essentially my whole life, barely nice. left. Um, I am married with two kids, pretty busy. I got a three-year-old and a two-year-old, mm -hmm. um, met my wife in France, uh, in Marseille and we did long distance for, were you just having a good time? You were just on vacation in France, just on vacation with my brother. Uh, oh, nice. and we were passing through Spain. His, his girlfriend at the time was from Spain. So we saw her hometown and then, and wanted to go through France wow. and, uh, kind of deviated from my plan to continue with him to, to stay with her. It was, it was pretty crazy. That yeah, is crazy. It's like big risk on her end and, and my end to yeah. just kind of alter our, our plans. Um, what year was that? Uh, 2016. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's been a little while and yeah, we did long distance for a year and a half. She was able to get a job here as a French immersion teacher. They helped her out with the visa. Oh, cool perfect entry point to the US. Yeah. So that was that was really nice. I think that's um, one of our one of the three like 
crazy random intersections that's my life and your life is that your wife teaches French immersion at one of my wife and, and my best friend's kids was they were like, oh yeah, talking about this woman. I'm like, gosh, could that be Jesse's? And you're like, oh my God, that's yeah. So she teaches. Yeah. We also, you and I also cross paths in France, yep. which is as a mutual friend of ours, Tommy, Tommy Green said, hey, you need to meet Jesse. I was like, cool, I'll reach out to Jesse. You said you're going to be in France. I was like, well, I'll be in France. What are the chances we're both going to be in same place, same time? I gave you my itinerary <sighs> and we're, we were both in Annecy for the same like you know, a few days. And so yeah. the first time we ever chatted running, we, we walked through, it was a romantic walk through. <laughs> it was romantic. Yeah. Together. And then my, my primary care doctor, I was showing him pictures of Annecy and your face shows up in my pictures. I was like, Oh, sorry. That was just a, a random friend I met there. He's like, is that, is his last name rich? It's like, yeah, that's uh, he's like, well, my son was best friends with his brother. So just, I hadn't heard, hear that connection. Yeah. Who, who's, um, who's your doctor? Dr. Gay. Oh, yeah, yes. that's right. Okay, so John. Crit, yeah, so his son's John. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and he's been our doctor for like 13 years. He's like, that's my son. It was friends with his brother. He's got to be a rich. He's got a rich face. I'm yeah. Like, oh, well, my goodness, small world. <laughs> okay, so you meet your wife in France. You abandon your brother. Yep, he and, keeps going without me. Yeah, yep. and, and it paid off. You got married. Yep. And she came here. She's a French immersion teacher. Yep. Okay, so then go from there. Now tell us about your kids. Yeah, so I got a boy and a, and a girl, three and two. Um, I have made it work that I can work from home while, while raising them, nice. which is, is pretty chaotic as you can imagine, you know, yeah. nap time is kind of where I just like hone in and try to get my work done. And yeah, early mornings is when I train or late at night. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's really chaotic, but obviously it's like a really fulfilling life yeah. and, and fun. But, uh, yeah, we, we actually just went to France and got back just, just barely. Oh, wow. Uh, so it's fun. We try to go every year and. Uh, I have my education in, in nutrition. I have okay. a master's in nutrition. And um, so I do that on my own. And then I, I coach uh, mostly with a company called Evoke Endurance. So okay. um, those are, that's kind of my occupation split between nutrition and coaching, which, which I really love. And a lot of times I end up working with one person on both things, mm. right? So some people oh, yeah. will hire me for coaching and nutrition. Nice. Because I really like to focus on running nutrition yeah. specifically yeah. so people are preparing for a race and they'll hire me for the nutrition aspect too to help mm -hmm. them like get ready for race day and everything so t tell me a little bit about the masters in nutrition like what's your uh, it doesn't have to necessarily be like a elevator short version but like what what's tell me a little about your philosophy of nutrition yeah so i i went to i had a pretty unique education in that i went to a naturopathic medical school okay so uh that's where people go to, to become doctors as a naturopath. Uh -huh. So it's, it's kind of more of a holistic nutrition program as, as you could say it that way. Um, yeah. I'm not a dietitian. Um, it's, it's more, you know, we learned how to cook. We learn how to counsel. We get a lot of the science too. Um, Interesting. We talk a lot about herbs and supplements and uh, it, it was a really cool, well-rounded program. And so my philosophy is, yeah, like kind of, see the person as a whole holistically. Yeah. Um, it is a lot of psychology. Nutrition is a lot of psychology hmm. in practice, right? Cause people eat a certain way because of their habits and mm -hmm. yeah. their environment. Yeah. And so changing the way people eat, I think you do have to address the psychology quite a bit. So that, that school, you, you mentioned that the counseling piece, like, so you're, you're as a coach, if you're doing the nutrition, like you're, I don't know if therapist is the right word, but you're like, you're digging in. 
We're like, digging in for sure. Yeah, a lot of time we're digging in. Yeah. 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 Wow. And, and, and obviously I need to stay within my scope of practice yeah. and you know? expertise and license. And there are sometimes like I, I, you know, eating disorders and things like that. I definitely refer out in certain situations where it's, it's just out of my scope. But a lot of sure. times we, we do get into the, to the nitty gritty, yeah. you know, why, why people are doing things. The why is, yeah. is huge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's the nutrition piece. And then you talked about, it's called evoke. Uh-huh. Yeah. Evoke endurance. Evoke yeah. endurance. Um, Tell me a little bit about Evoke Endurance. When I first met you, you weren't there yet. And so now, uh, what what brought you there? What do you like about it? What are you doing there? Yeah, uh, I think I may have been with Uphill Athlete when we had met. Yeah. So so essentially, Uphill Athlete, which is a pretty well-known like coaching company for mountaineering and, and, and running and everything, they had a split off, the, the two owners there. Okay. So I decided to leave with one of the owners to, to, to this different company, which most, most of the coaches did okay. to kind of reestablish. There were just some disagreements. So he started Evoke Endurance. Most of us went over there with them. So we're kind of starting from the, from the ground up again. Okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I see uh, his name's Scott Johnston and he's, he's kind of like a really good... And, and Steve House is amazing too. He was kind of the alpinist. Those two brought the company together. Okay. Uh, and I just continued with Scott because he had more of the coaching philosophy Got and it. experience coaching. Steve was more like the athlete. He was also a great coach. Um, so it was a hard decision. It took yeah. me a while to decide, but then I, I went over to to evoke endurance. Okay. And and so we're all over the U.S. The coaches. There's about twenty of us. Okay. Wow. Some in Canada, some in the U.S., and then we coach people from all over the world. It's it's really cool. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Is Tom Evans coach? Was he coached yeah. by your coach? Yep. So John your- uh, Scott coaches uh, Tom Evans. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So obviously uh, Ruth Croft and some other bigger really? names. Yeah. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So obviously um, that's great. I mean, so it's super legit. Yeah, he's he's a person I definitely <laughs> want to continue to learn from. Yeah, yeah. All right. So there's. Jesse, the family man, Jesse, the coach, the nutritionist. Let's talk about you as a runner a little bit, because I'm uh, among the time that my friend Tommy said you got to meet him. You had also just won what uh, I don't recall what it had been renamed to Snow Peak. Oh, yeah, yeah. Snow Peak 50 miler. Mm -hmm. That was around June or so of 22, I think, that you won the 50 miler. Mm -hmm. And then Tommy's like, hey, you got to check this guy out. So you're winning race, you're winning races, you're uh, coaching, you're kind of, you kind of got your hands in all of it. I mean, what do you, how do you think of yourself? Like here's, it's an existential question, but kind of who are you? Are you, are, are you a runner? Or are you a coach? Like, do you coach to supplement your running habit <laughs> or do yeah. you run to supplement your coaching habit? You know what I mean? Oh man, that's a good question. I, I honestly think that identify less as a runner than a lot of really competitive runners. And, and to be completely fair, like I'm competitive on a local level, yeah. but, but I'm not really competitive on an international level. Okay. I don't know if I identify enough as a runner to, to get to that. Maybe I have the potential to get there, but yeah, if it's off season, I, I cannot run. Like I'm, I'm, it, yeah. it's, it's not something that I have to do. Right. And I, and I'm always kind of like battling where I'm at with my identity, um, especially as a runner. And I, I never ran as a kid. Okay. I, I hated just running. I played all sorts of sports and skied and did like, you know, all the stuff, but it wasn't until I was like 21 
that I got into it. Hmm. My brother like just was really into it and got me out. And he's like, you're, really? you're not, you're keeping up. Like you should, you should maybe try to do something. So 21 was when you tried it, but didn't, did you win Wasatch at 24? Am I off on that? It was uh, 28. 28. 28. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so I, that makes I, me feel a little better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely have more experience under my belt, but like getting into it, I did like a, a, a trail marathon. It, it was super casual. I did like a race a year for the first like five years. It wasn't, okay. it wasn't anything serious. And then I was like, you know what? I went, I went to grad school where I got my nutrition degree in Portland. Mm hmm. And, you know, I, it, it, it was all new to me. I was super close to trails. And that's when I was like, all right, maybe I, maybe I put more time into this. I'm just going to school, working a little bit. I was doing yeah. like a smoothie bowl shop kind of thing on the yeah. side. Yeah. And so I was kind of like, why, why not take it a little more seriously? And so from there is when I started doing like five, six days a week of training, mm -hmm. um, started to get more serious. And that's that's probably where like I identified strongest as, as a runner yeah. um, just because it was... Uh, I didn't have as many things going on, so I could fully, and, and, and yeah. looking back, you know, life doesn't work that way, but like, I wish that like I went to Utah state and I was kind of on my own Yeah. and I, I wish I would have, you know, when I was like 22, 23, taking mm -hmm. those years and just like, I, I wasn't doing anything. Like mm -hmm. I was just going to school and working a little bit. I still had time. Yeah. But life doesn't work that way. Like, yeah. I didn't get the bug to really, really try until a little bit later. Okay. Right? And so now I'm 34. Um, I've done a lot of the cool stuff that I've wanted to do. Yeah. There's still cool stuff I do want to do, but I'm also, like, I, I, I could see myself pulling away, you know, in yeah. coaching and just running mm -hmm. for fun. You know, the competition and trying to stay competitive is quite a bit of pressure. And it yeah. puts pressure on, you know my wife when I have to train totally. and it's like, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to just go into it somewhat. I want to try to do my best. Yeah. And so I, I train and, hard. And when and you post on Instagram, like your runs, like you're getting some pretty great vert long before the sun's coming up. It looks like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, it's kind of what I have to do. And like, yeah. as, as amazing as that is and getting that alone time and everything, like, you know, how many more years of that can I do? And it's, yeah. it's, it's, it, I, I do think that my body is getting stronger and I'm like adapting to running even better. Yeah. But like even just last year, I just did one race, you know, mm -hmm. I just did a hundred miler. I did the bear. bear. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know. But how'd you do at the bear? I got third. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was definitely not a race I was going to win. The course record was destroyed. It was La oh well, it was last year. Who got it? Zach Gardner. Okay, he's yeah, he's he someone did. you definitely need to look out for. Yeah, he's he's um he's he's one of the best Americans right now. So, really? Yeah, for okay. sure, for sure. He's he's incredible, and just checking out his training would blow your mind. Really? Yeah, he trains more than most pros. Is um, he a Utah guy? He's Provo. Yeah, Provo. yeah, he's in Provo oh, in Utah. So, someone to maybe have on your radar. I had a little interview with him myself. It was fun, really? but. So yeah, I, to, to answer your question, I, I identify definitely as a runner still, mm -hmm. um, you know, being a runner later in life, it's probably a little different than people who grew up with it, which from, from what I've heard, I actually think it could be a healthier relationship. A lot of people who grow up with running, it can be like a little bit of burnout and yeah. feeling forced to do it. And I think because I kind of picked it up later in life, it's still pretty fresh to me and fun yeah. to me and like all the nuances I'm learning. So I definitely identify as a runner. Um, I'm coaching has become, it, it's almost like running is 
is still there fading out a little bit and coaching is increasing and nutrition is increasing. I'm taking those mm-hmm. more seriously. Yeah. But it doesn't hurt to um, be running too and practicing what I preach. Totally. So I feel like if I quit running, yeah. then like, oh, you're a coach that doesn't run. Right. You're 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 a running nutritionist that oh. doesn't run anymore. I mean, one of the things that helped <laughs> sell me beyond just enjoying our conversations together was you're out there getting great results. Like, yeah. That helps the family business. It know? does. <laughs> yeah. So it's like if I just get up and quit, I yeah. it, so so there's there's kind of almost a little bit of a pressure that that is sometimes it feels a little forced, but then yeah. there's also like so many things I still want to do. Yeah. And, and try. You well, know? you know, uh, Rob Carr didn't really hit my radar because I was just getting into ultra running, but Rob Carr was like 42 when he won Western States, so you've still got six more years to, you know, to get there. You'll get there. No, so if you look back, I mean, I look back at all your races, was there a time where you were like, my trajectory is to be a runner? I'm going to be a runner. Because you got second at uh, Wasatch, then you went back at 2017, I think. Yeah. 2018, mm-hmm. you went back and won. Mm-hmm. And I believe Trevor Fuchs was in the mix on yeah. both of those. Yeah, very much so. So, I mean, you're getting great results at hard races. And you may call them local, but... Uh, but as we were talking before we started rolling, this is, I think, you know, the best market among the best markets for trail runners in the country. So they're local races, but it's Trevor Fuchs is who you're running against. I mean, the, the, this is these are great runners. Mm-hmm. So was there a point where you ever thought I'm going to keep going? Then you hit the crossroads. Was it the family? You're like, I'd rather be have family life or I like the stability of coaching. Were you ever on that trajectory where you said, yes, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to try and get sponsors. I, I did have some sponsors. Uh, it, it did become something that I wanted to continue to get better at, but the sponsorships kind of jaded me a little bit from the whole mm. experience. It kind of made me not want to continue down that route because it yeah. kind of inflated, and I'll just be totally transparent, it yeah. kind of like inflated my ego that like, oh, I deserve more. I'm mm. starting to get free stuff. Now maybe I should start getting paid. Like yeah. I'm working hard towards this, but like, I wasn't getting significantly better, but I had these expectations of like, oh, I think I can go pro. I think I want to do it. But I, quite frankly, I just wasn't putting in enough work to become what nowadays is pro, right? Pro is becoming more and more. The standard is just ridiculous now. So it was was a cool experience to to be sponsored and, and be considered a, you know, amateur runner where I'm getting free stuff, but not paid. Yeah. I really enjoyed that, but it also kind of messed with me and where I'm at. And yeah. I kind of like being on my own now and just kind of doing races I want to do. It takes off the pressure a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, of course, there's there's part of my identity to be like, oh, that's still a really cool thing to do. Like just talking offline, like Salt Lake is loaded with pro runners. And it's yeah. like Anthony Costales. Yeah. He's 34, just got on with Nike, you know. Yeah. And so it's like I, I, I'm not good enough. And it's kind of frustrating because I feel like I've kind of been on that brink for a bit. Yeah. But I'm, I'm now to the realization where, like, I, I don't think I would like running if I put more into it. Like, oh, I think there's yeah. a limit of, like, training that I want to do. Returns. And it's just, yeah. yeah, and diminishing returns. And I'm, so last year I'm realizing I can handle a lot of volume. Mm. Um, but I can't do that eight months of the year. Yeah. Like, my, my lifestyle just doesn't allow me to do that. Yeah. So... There's a lot of barriers there, but it, it, I think it would be a cool life. But I, yeah, I'm I'm totally okay not not yeah. going down that route. <laughs> I think it's interesting. Uh, Camille Heron had 
has been talking lately about she never runs more. Her long run, she's quit the long run. She only runs as much as two hours. What I can't tell, because she's a little hard to read, What's, what I can't tell is, will she run two, two hours multiple times a day, or is she really maxing out her longest run at two hours yeah. and then going and crushing, you know, Spartathlon or, or whatever it's called in, uh, in Greece? Like, do you know anything about that approach? I don't. I did see um, a quick little caption about that and didn't get into the article, but it, it's so personal. There are some people that thrive off of lower volume. They yeah. really do. Yeah. Like, the majority of people, the, the more volume, the better if, yeah. if they're not getting injured. Yeah. But there's some people where there's a sweet spot where, like, less is more. Yeah. Like, the, it, it depends on the person. Some people can, can get away with less and be pro. Yeah. Like, that's just... Yeah, for me, you know. less is definitely less. <laughs> um, so you, well, here's what I like about you, and this is where I think we, we start to push in the direction of the late race survival. When you offer advice, and I think it goes in line also with your take on your personal sponsorships a little bit, is you're a no-hype sort of person with nutrition, like with your Instagram. Like if you can get it at Trader Joe's or if you can get it, you know, Kroger brand, like you're pushing those things. So you can, you can give this great nutritional advice that's like a dollar. And it's, and I mean this as a compliment, it's not very sexy either. It's mm -hmm. like, hey, you know, you could just buy these grains and these greens and you can eat this and you'll post the price sometimes like, hey, this meal was five bucks. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm full. And I think that feels to me like your approach to running also is that like, you're, you're in it for like the practical, like realness of it. And then when it gets into all of the fluff and the hype, it's like, it's you're you're about running and you're about nutrition like mm -hmm. it feels like in a real and pure sort of way thank you yeah yeah and it, and it comes off in you know all of our personal conversations that we've had but also in your instagram i just i just so appreciate it as someone who will never be on any podium unless it's me chasing my kids up on one that you're giving advice for people like me and you can train i'm, I'm i don't know who all is on your roster but i know you could train elite athletes but i just love how accessible it is but in that, where you become inaccessible to me is like your FKT attempt. Did you get the FKT on, was it Millwood? Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. able to grab that. Okay. One. And yeah. so that's where we, that's when, then <laughs> that's where we deviate again. So we align when it's like, yeah, five bucks for that meal. Uh, tell us about Millwood and tell us a little bit about that FKT so people can have context on that. <laughs> yeah. Millwood is a, a special thing. Uh, it, it's, it's. Um, Mill Creek Canyon, Big and Little Cottonwood Canyon, all connected through 100 miles. 100 miles and how much gain? 36,000. Yeah. So comparable, uh, some would argue harder than Hard Rock. Yeah. And it is your own adventure. Like FKTs are super fun because it's yeah. your own thing. And yeah, going back to the hype, like there's no buckle, there's no aid stations. Like yeah. I, I really like the 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 feel to that kind of thing. And that was yeah. my first real long attempt of an of an FKT. Yeah. And yeah, I had I, I decided to do the first fifty kinda on my own. I left drop bags. Mm -hmm. And then by fifty on I was with friends and family helping me out. But um it's 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 hard, but I to say, but I, I still think that's my favorite thing that I've right. done. Yeah, and so that yeah. that is perfectly aligned with the intro I just gave into that, where it's like you're in it for the running. Like you love that maybe it's a grit uh, it's a purity from my observation. It feels like it's, it's just a pure love of it. Mm -hmm. But on that one also, it'd be really easy to quit. It'd be, 
you know? And, and so even just looking at the FKT, looking at Wasatch, your, uh, run rabbit efforts, uh, how do you, how do you keep going? Like this? so now counsel me, <laughs> you know, how do you do it? Like, do you have moments in that FKT attempt that you, that you recall? Like, okay, when I get, when I see my wife again, I'm hopping in the car mm-hmm. or does that ever even cross your mind? Oh man, these are great questions. So first off I have DNF'd. Okay. I've right. DNF'd Appreciate twice. The honesty. <laughs> I've Would, DNF'd well, twice. let's start there. Which ones? So it's Snow Peak now. It was previously Squaw Peak. Yeah. I, 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 I changed it, I think. But. Yeah. Yeah. So I've DNF there. What a hard race, though. That's a legit. And that was just dumb. I, I did it. I did a trail marathon two weeks before. <laughs> and so I just and, and a guy who did the marathon with me also blew up and in, in DNF'd, I believe, in, in that race. Yeah. And then um, Beaverhead 100K. Okay. So that, that's that. in Idaho. Okay. Um, border Idaho, Montana. And I think I made that one halfway. There was a crew issue, but neither of those were like I was dying. Okay. Like the DNF thing, I just, I feel like it's okay to DNF. Like it's, it's okay. People go through it and you learn a lot from D. I think you learn more from DNFs than you do finishing. Yes. My my love of life and learning so much has come through DNFs. Yeah. So I, I do, I do echo and hundred percent agree with that, even though I would rather have finished them for sure. But I love those lessons. They, they give you good lessons. So anyway, I have had that happen and they weren't like, I wasn't throwing up like crazy. Yeah. I didn't have these crazy things happening. It was logistical issues, planning issues, and I just didn't have it in me, yeah. you know? And, and, and I just stopped. So mm-hmm. yeah, I've, I've DNF twice. Um, and then going back to, finishing these races especially ultras and hundreds like segments segments is the best advice i could give like Mm. you're not thinking of 100 miles you're thinking of the next aid station like how many miles till the next one okay i just need to make it to the next one and even with millwood i just need to make it to my next drop bag Mm -hmm. oh my gosh 50 miles is coming up i get i blame my buddy's gonna meet up with Uh me and he's going to pace me. So I get to see somebody. I'm super excited mm. to see somebody. Mile 62 of Millwood, my family's at solitude. I get to see my family. They're mm. going to pump me up. Yeah. Uh, mile 80, this guy has sacrificed his night to meet up with me and pace me. Mm. I can't bail on him. Mm. He's already stayed up. He's, he's going <laughs> to meet me. He's going to pace me through the night. Like, I can't do this to him. Yeah. He's already committed. Yeah. 80 to 100, I'm pretty much there. Right now, I now I just people are going to meet me at the end and I just need to push through. My sister's going to meet me with at mile 88. Uh-huh. She's been super excited to do this with me. I want to share this experience with her. I don't want to miss out on this experience with her. I'm going to make it to my sister. So hmm. you're just set, you're splitting it up into segments. Like yeah. what what is going to excite you about that next spot? Yeah. Is it going to see your, are you going to see your family? Are you going to be ready for your pacer? And, and mm-hmm. having a pacer that you already know and have history with is huge because yeah. you're just like, I'm so excited to see that person. I'm so excited to eat some food at the aid station. Yeah. And as you probably know, like the morale boost of aid stations and seeing people and, and, and these kind of things just give you that extra to, to get to the next yeah. place. Yeah. So I'm never like, man, I've got 95 miles left <laughs> <laughs> i mean trust me the, the the little 
evil voice yeah. does come in sometimes. It's like, do you realize how much time you still have to go? So, so do you feel, I mean, you're able, <laughs> when you're going for the win, like, you know, in Wasatch, are you still thinking segments? Oh, yeah. Really? Yep. I'm still thinking just just make it to the next aid station. And, like, I'll look at my watch and be like, okay, how much how much can you fit in for this next, till this hour ends? Yeah. Like, how much farther are you going to go till this hour ends? Yeah. And I think going into it where, yeah, it is almost decided that you're not going to not finish. It's, yeah. it's almost pretty much decided, but obviously things happen. And that's why sometimes, like, racing too much and you're just exhausted can mm -hmm. cause you to dnf too you need the mental capacity to be like i'm i'm tough enough right now i'm physically and mentally tough enough to go into this effort yeah that i don't i, I the thought of quitting is just not there hmm. you know so once you start messing with that idea of quitting yeah which which a lot of times that still does come up with me even though you're kind of like decided not to you'll yeah. still have those thoughts yeah just try not to entertain them yeah. and just be like, it's just to the next point, mm. you know? And what's, what's your, why, why do I need to DNF? Well, if you're not having fun, that's like everyone else. Yeah. Like, no one's having, fun. no one's having fun. <laughs> that's so, not why so, we're here to yeah. be honest. Yeah. How's your stomach? Are you, yeah. are you getting to the point where there's an injury going on that could set you back for a year? Yeah. That's one of my, always my questions is like, okay, before the race, I try and like put myself in the mindset of, Hey, is the, when I'm in an, when I'm in it, when I'm not feeling well, can I, how do I determine when my brain's not working that great? Is this a temporary thing? Or if I keep going, it's going to be long-term that, that one always messes with me, even though most of the time it's, it's a short-term thing. But then I start to like, you know, my, I have little discipline in my mind that late in the race, like all of the things that keeps my mind disciplined are all gone. And so then I just follow it to the worst of like, oh my God, if I keep running, my kids are going to grow up without a dad, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I, th I feel like that's a, one of the challenges is to, to do damage control or triaging your own pain and, and being smart about it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and being smart about your pace, being smart about your nutrition, all those things are, are big time strategy that you, you need to have dialed and, and nutrition I want to emphasize. Yeah. Because if you're not getting calories, you know, glucose takes up 30% of the calories you eat. So your brain is super calorie intensive. It needs a lot of calories mm -hmm. to, to function properly. Yeah. If you're falling behind on your nutrition, especially in the later parts of it, 100, your brain's just going to tell you to quit. Like yes. food is what's going to drive your yeah. brain. And, and a lot of people, which is totally normal, that's just how we are. It's, it's hard to eat for 100 miles. Yeah. No matter what product it is, I'm working on it myself. I've gotten a lot better helping people get there too. Yeah. It's, it's not a perfect science. Like it's yeah. hard. So one of the things I would advise to you is like, are you getting food every hour? Yeah, because, no. because if your brain is starting to lack food, no matter how hard you train, that is going to be, that's going to increase the, the, the volume of that voice more and more. Of like I need to quit. Like your brain, when it doesn't have energy and, and nutrition, it's just going to tell you to quit Absolutely. more and more. And then yeah. you're already battling your body. Yeah. You're having, and your body also needs those calories. Your body's tired, your mind's tired, and you're pretty much convinced that you can't finish. Yes. But it's amazing what some glucose can do mm -hmm. to your system. Interesting. You get, you get calories into your brain and your muscles mm -hmm. and everything can change, yeah. especially if you're behind and you're able to catch up. You're a new person. 
So you that's have... that's where my passion for this stuff has come because yeah. I've seen it clearly. Yeah. My first race I placed, my first ultra, I was a hundredth place. <laughs> Speed goat fifty k, I oh. placed a hundredth. No judgment. That's that's a great result. <laughs> it would. I mean, for me, it was like a total yeah. blow up. Yeah. Like things that's a were hard race, things. Yeah. It is a hard race, but like. I thought I had my nutrition dialed. I, I, I had a huge salad the night before, which was so dumb. And I had this complete blow up. My stomach just mm, died on me. Interesting. So I, I was determined to finish. Anyway, that's what kind of turned into this cascade of like, okay, mm. I need, I want to study like how to do oh, this. Nice. How do you, how do you get through a race? And like, luckily that was the worst performance I'd have. And I hadn't gone yeah. back to that because I started really figuring it out. The next year it was 25th pace place yeah. at speed go. I dialed in my nutrition, helped my training. So those two and putting those two together is so interesting to me and still yeah. so new in the yeah. science world yeah. that I, I, I really talk to people a lot who, who have this urge and, and can, and have some history of DNFs. Like what's your nutrition like? Like yeah. what's your training? Like yeah. if you're doing 20 miles a week and you're doing a hundred too, that's like, it's a lot for your body. Yeah. And then practicing the nutrition too. If those pieces are, if you're setting yourself up and practicing those things and strategizing beforehand, it'll, it'll set you yeah. up better. But anyway, that's a tangent there. No, man, that's actually some of the, the best, the best advice. I think, you know, to kind of land the plane here, um, I, when I, I think everyone listening should follow you on Instagram for the advice that you give out or seek you out if you're taking on clients right now and, and taking on athletes. But you know, I, I think for me, one of my struggles is, is to be externally motivated. Like I'm internally motivated. And so there's sometimes nothing that someone can say on the outside hmm. when I'm in a funk. They can only push me further away. They can't bring me in. Like if they, you know, get really in my face, it's like I, I kind of, it's hard to shut down. But I think uh, point being on that, for other runners who are out there that are like me in that, I'm hearing like the nutrition piece which of course you got to have thousands of calories to get through a hundred miles. Like that's so intuitive, but at the same time, there's been times where it's like, I haven't eaten in seven hours. I didn't even notice. And so then I <laughs> will come back with a plan like, Oh, this is what I'm gonna do every hour. And then it's like, this is disgusting. I don't want, it's not that my yeah. stomach is hurting, it's just, I don't want to eat anymore. Yeah. Flavor fatigue. Yeah. Yeah. So and that's you, the thing. It's not intuitive. Like at yeah. beginning you can start eating. Yeah. You would think it would. Yeah. But then it's like, you have to force your brain to say, let's get food. Yeah. Like it's the weirdest thing. It's like your body wants to sabotage itself. Yes. Like it's forcing this food down because yeah. it's, you're just starting to get sick of yeah. the sweetness. You're starting to get sick of the foods. And we're just like running and eating is a hard thing for yeah. a human to do. Yeah. Like it's, it's, there's resistance to yeah. that. And so training yourself takes years to yeah. be able to get on top of like, this is what I need every hour, yeah. you know? And like, I'm going to stay on top of this and to not fall behind when there's so many other things to think about. Yeah. It's a, it's a practice and it takes a lot of time. I've seen you talk about, um, variety, how important the, I mean, it, it seems again, like another no brainer, but in my brain, I'm like, okay, I just want to have like two or three things. I need to, I need to simplify. I need to simplify. So I'm just going to have these two or three things by mile 30. I'm like, I don't want any of this anymore. So I can already start to feel I'm in trouble. Aid station food is almost never what, maybe even if it's what I want, it almost feels like it's never what I need. And yeah. so then I get in trouble because then I'm now I, I have a belly full of Swedish fish. Uh -huh. <laughs> those are, you know, those, those serve a purpose, but they're not 70 miles worth of fuel. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you know, as, but that's, that's the crazy thing. And oh. sorry, sorry to interrupt you. No, you're good. This is, this is just so interesting to me is like, 
what I'm learning about elites, and I, and I really like to study what elites do, they can pick one product and not eat anything else. And, and, I, and I'm super and curious to know. And sometimes it's liquid. I don't understand liquid? getting calories from liquid yeah. for that long. Yeah. And, and part of me is like, are these guys just so mentally tough that flavor fatigue that we all suffer from just doesn't affect these yeah. people? Yeah. It, it, do they have the mental capacity that it doesn't bother them? But yeah. what about their stomachs? Yeah. Well, my guess is that they just train so much with the same product. Mm. But I, you know, Zach Gardner, he never practices with it and just yeah. will do 100 miles. He, he, he had the exact same product the whole time. So there's these variabilities in people. Some people might need 10 different products. Yeah. Some people can do it with one. I'm certainly not someone who can do it with one. I think yeah. the majority of people struggle to have just one. Yeah. So the game plan is what I work with people on, mm -hmm. and some people can can do it. Other people, it's, it's just so individual. That is interesting to think about the the mind of someone who can do it. That it's purely fuel. I mean, it's 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 like what happens from when it goes in the mouth where it gets in their belly. Like that's not a concern of theirs. It's just they need it in there to do its work. Yeah, like the a, most efficient, and, yeah. and it is the most efficient if you just use. Because your body knows how to, what to do with that one thing. It yep. gets, yeah. Highest amount of carbohydrate. Yeah. Getting it in as quick as you can, yeah. not having to chew, get it in, keep running, perform at your highest level. Yeah. And the way they're able to pull that off, I just don't yeah. get it. I don't get it. Well, Jesse, thanks for joining me. I could talk about this all, all night and into the day tomorrow. I, I thank you so much for making the time. I hope that everybody out there follows you. If they're looking for a coach, they find you. Uh, you're putting out good content. Uh, I see you partner with other accounts too, where you're just pushing out that really practical. And I know the goal isn't to make it like affordable nutrition, but your, your sort of ethos is like I said a few times, like let's just find what works. Mm -hmm. And there's some stuff out there that works that isn't in this bright, sexy package. And you can get it from this aisle and combine it with that aisle. I think it's super practical, super useful for uh, my audience. So thanks for sharing it with us. Of course. All right, man, we'll thanks for having me on. Yeah. Appreciate it. See thanks.